Hey, welcome to Sunday Afternoon Mama, a podcast designed to help you learn to create a calm and joyful atmosphere in your home. I'm your host, Hannah Riddle, a wife, mom, and former teacher living in the Pacific Northwest. I certainly don't have everything figured out, but I hope to encourage and inspire you to be the best mama that you can be. Are you ready? Let's jump in. In this episode, we'll spend some time dreaming of Tuscany, explore ways to positively change our lifestyle, and I'll share why I am getting serious about the rhyming words back and snack. This is episode nine. Here we go. I am so happy you joined me. Happy New Year to everyone, to all of our listeners. Today, it's just me. I hope that's okay with you. I am so excited to share some things that have just been on my mind and my heart as we enter this new year. Before I get started, my hope and prayer for you today is just that you are encouraged and inspired to craft a new, fresh vision for your life, your lifestyle, for the year ahead. First, I want to establish that I am in no way trying to criticize or put down our kind of current way of life. No, not at all. Not at all. But I do want to reflect and examine and ponder just what we do with our days. Like, how are we using our time? What are we doing? Where are we going? You know, what direction are we taking? So here is some food for thought as we begin this process. I thought it would be fun to peek into the Tuscan way of life for a few moments. Allow me to begin with kind of a startling but powerful quote from the book that I've been diving into lately, given to me by a sweet friend. It's called The Wisdom of Tuscany. And it's, this is from the chapter entitled The Tuscan House. And I'm actually, I have the book with me right now and I'm opening up to page 160. So if you have this book or you get this book, this is where to find this part that I am talking about. Not long ago, we too lived in reasonable houses where our eating kitchen was the heart of the house with its warm stove, big table, and a hundred magic smells. The many hours of the family together making meals, eating, cleaning up, talking about nothing, about everything. But lately, perhaps because of our newly found affluence, or more correctly, the newfound ease with which we can accumulate more debt, our houses have become sad enormities where couples or small families rattle about like stones in an empty barrel. I was stunned by an article in the Times about a couple in Florida who bought in February of 2009, in the depth of the recession, a weekend condominium he says, of 4,000 square feet. After we spend the frantic week apart, are not the weekends for being with those we love to renew our closeness, our intimacies? How can you be intimate in a coliseum or was the place bought for show? To impress who? I am reminded, just real quick side note here, of Dave Ramsey, one of my favorite people to listen to on another podcast about finances and just how to do things right, how to get out of debt and live a debt-free lifestyle. And he's always talking about this phenomenon of buying things we don't need to impress people we don't even like. You know, it's like, what are we doing? We don't have to live that way. So back to the book. NPR did a story, he says, on the ever-expanding American dream house. And This is very sobering. In 1950, the average square footage of a new single-family home was 980 square feet, but by 2004, it had more than doubled to 2,400, even while families got ever smaller. So basically, they go on to talk about people's theories about why the homes have gotten so large. And, you know, this author of The Wisdom of Tuscany basically lays this foundation for the argument that 
the way we are living now, our kind of daily lifestyle, what we're used to, what we expect in life is probably not the best way. We could, you know, we could possibly be wrong about a few things. And I I completely see what he's saying. He says, couldn't we all create our own version of Tuscany instead, no matter where we live? He thinks so. And I, I tend to agree with him. He says, and this is a quote, there is no need to actually move to Tuscany because what we seek, economic security, emotional calm, diversity of work, and living among friends and family amidst beauty and nature is probably waiting for us just over the hill. He goes on to say that human contentment seems to require very little, a roof, a good meal on the table, fresh air, and a secure family and good friends in a true community. I think it's safe to say that in that respect, we can all create our own version of a Tuscany right where we live now. Granted, the charm, the old stone houses, the vineyards on rolling hills may not be your scenery or your reality, but just think with me, how could we make our homes more beautiful, cozy, inviting, and just centered around relationships and love, being together? Sadly, I think one of the main mistakes we have made in designing modern cities and houses is that we are all so isolated. Home design is luxuriously large. He talks about this extensively, and everyone in the family has their own room and possibly even their own bathroom. There are giant screens and gadgets and toys taking up our every, like, last little bit of attention so that we miss the value of life's simple pleasures more often than we should. I've got one more little section to read, and I'm turning in the actual book. He talks about living rooms for a moment, and I I really enjoyed how he said this. Is there a more misnamed room in our culture than this one? Could we call slouching on a couch, watching dots flicker on a screen, quote, living? If that's life, exactly what's a coma? How many days a year is this empty space filled with the passionate conversation or bubbling laughter of friends and neighbors who drifted in and sat down for a drink? He lists all these options of like what you could have. and, And when was the last time a mob of uncles nephews, cousins, aunts, and grannies drape themselves over the furniture with the ease and soft boredom of family. I love how he uses that phrase, soft boredom of family. It's so, so true. It's like, not everything we do together is necessarily glamorous or this grand thing, but it is beautiful because we're together and we're just living life together. And then he goes on, are these not the things we can honestly call living? If our living rooms are just for the tube, wouldn't we have been better off planting a little grove in its place so we could look at some birds and trees, some real reality? Just think how much smaller the mortgage would have been and how much more peaceful our sleep every night. So anyways, I just, I love his thoughts on this. And part of the beauty of the Tuscan way of life is the slowness and the emphasis on relationships. And yes, it is a beautiful place and it's charming and... As I mentioned before, we may not have the most charming city, town, neighborhood, whatever it may be, but the focus can be for us too on family and just being together and that kind of soft boredom he mentioned. I just really believe that enjoying the simple pleasures can't happen when we have a screen in front of our eyes. And it's like, oh, this is so true. Like today it was sunny. It was kind of cold, but actually it was very cold, but it was sunny. And I thought, I just need to be outside. And I had my phone and I'm like, you know what? I don't need to have this phone. Like I'm too distracted. There's always something I'm thinking about or like a question will pop into my mind that I have to find the answer for. It's like before the days of being able to look everything up, we just either had to go find an actual book to look it up in or we just were like, "Mm, that was a passing thought. I guess it doesn't really matter. You know, like we didn't go to our phones for everything. So we have this need and I think it becomes insatiable to kind of be entertained and distracted, especially when life gets hard, especially when it's, it's tough. It's a tough parenting day or it's a tough whatever day. 
Oh, but we are distracting ourselves to death. Richard Louvre, who I absolutely love, he wrote a book called Last Child in the Woods. Highly recommend it. It's so, so, so good. He says, we tend to block off many of our senses when we're staring at a screen. Nature time can literally bring us to our senses. And I completely completely resonate with this quote. It's like I come alive when I go outside. I just, if I take a walk or I go in the woods and for a hike, which I mean, doesn't happen super often, but when I go out and about, it's like, oh, I can breathe. I can get that better perspective and I get out of the house. It's so, so true. So here is a practical example, slightly embarrassing, but true from my life about this phenomenon of like being entertained and wanting to be distracted and all this with technology. So I was sitting down with some popcorn to watch a movie with my husband. Gotta love those kind of at-home date nights when the kids are in bed. You just make them fun. So I look forward to these at the end of the week. We try to do it at least once a week. So we started the movie that we had chosen. And what did I find myself doing about 10 minutes in looking at my phone? My phone. Oh, I was disgusted. I was appalled with myself. (laughs) Here I am watching one big screen, then another, (laughs) missing the full enjoyment of the movie, let alone, of course, this isn't a screen form of entertainment here, but let alone had we been playing a board game or interacting more. I had to pull out my dumb phone and look up a random fact about the movie. Again, years ago, we all survived just fine without knowing extra information like this. You know what I mean? Like, oh, how old is this actor? Or what other movies have they been in? Or da 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 da. Like, we just start, like, our minds just start getting on rabbit trails, and pretty soon we're not engaged with the person that we're hanging out with, or the movie, or the thing, or the activity that we were doing, you know, or news, or some random update, or social media of people I may or may not even currently be friends with in real life. <laughs> you know what I mean? let alone the celebrities or the models that we are all jealous of and end up feeling kind of miserable after looking at their feed. All that to say, let's just establish here from the beginning that one screen at a time is probably best. And that's just a terrible thing we even need to have to clarify, but it's true. And then let's take it a step further and say, just in general, the less screens overall in life, the better. It's definitely not making us any more joyful. I know that from my personal experience, that is my <laughs> that is my testimony. It's not making me more joyful the more I get on a screen. That's for sure. We are entertaining ourselves out of real face-to-face interactions and relationships. So I was at a baby shower recently talking to an old acquaintance I hadn't seen since high school, which is a frighteningly, frighteningly, that's a tricky word, <laughs> frighteningly long time. <laughs> But anyways, she and I were chatting about the next high school reunion, and she remarked sadly that many of her friends are kind of like, why would I want to go to a reunion when I keep up with all of you guys on Facebook? I was like, oh, oh, it broke my heart. What an eerie sign of the times and of the culture that we are in. We discussed how sad and tragic this was, the fact that human touch, laughter, high contact, conversation, and shared experiences can never be replaced by social media. I may have cried real actual tears over this as I have pondered it. Okay, so that's a little bit of a downer to think about these things, but I do wonder and I question these things all the time. How can I improve my life and the quality of my life and my lifestyle? Like, what am I doing with this precious time I've been given? The interactions, the margin, do I have margin? The moments of silence and rest, the play, the fun, the laughter, the time outdoors. What kind of lifestyle do I want to lead? And I am in control of this. (laughs) Nobody is forcing me to get on my phone. Nobody is forcing me to watch too much TV or get distracted or go on an Instagram rabbit trail. You know what I mean? It's my choice. 
it's my choice. So I feel like even the more important question to ask too is what do I want to teach and model for my children? So it's a very kind of sobering thing to think about, but I feel like it's so important. And as we embark on this new year, I'm a huge fan of New Year's resolutions, like huge. I've always made them. I don't always keep them. I'm not like perfect at this, but I do like the intentionality of looking ahead and going, where have I been strong? Where have I been weak? What could I improve in? What habits do I want to break, (laughs) you know, end? What habits do I want to start? Like, what do I want to make of my life? So I looked back over my 2017 goals. And honestly, I feel pretty good about reaching some of them, like really solid. And and then the ones I failed to reach, I'm kind of sad. But I just decided, you know, some of the goals I had last year, I'm just going to keep rolling them on over into this year and possibly the rest of my life because they're just big picture life goals and habits that in areas that I always want to be improving in, you know? I never want to get to a certain place in life and be like, well, that's that's good. I'm all done learning and growing now. You know what I mean? So let me share my heart and some of my goals with you, and maybe this will spark something in you or encourage you. I would love to hear some of your goals too, so I can be inspired by you. I think we learn so well from each other. It's so important to spur each other on. In the spirit of less screens being better for us, I personally want to focus on relationships more. Now, that's a very vague goal. So it needs some more specific measurability to it. And this is what I mean. This is how I've decided to articulate this goal of focus on relationships. (laughs) Have someone over at least once per week. Now, once is good because it's the bare minimum here. So it can always be way more than this. But, you know, this could look like having a neighbor over for tea, getting with a friend for coffee, going to the park for a play date. All great ways to interact with people that we care about face to face. (laughs) beyond the screen, beyond the hearts and the likes and the little online comments. As as nice as those are and as wonderful as it is to keep up with, let's say, people that don't live close to you anymore or a family member that's far away, it's, it's so awesome for that. But for the people that do live near you, I've noticed that the less I'm on screens and social media, the more I realize, oh, I really want to hang out with so-and-so. And I just make it happen because it's like, I don't feel like I've just caught up with them on social media so therefore we don't need to hang out (laughs) you know what I mean but like I said that comment about the reunion just killed me it's like man we cannot get to that point we gotta save the face-to-face relationships and keep those a priority okay so I don't know if this is just me but I would love to hear if you have noticed this too but I feel like I have noticed that people are more reluctant to come over to your actual house these days, let alone have you over to their house. Is this true? Is this something I have just made up in my head? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like it's something that actually, actually happens. I just, I feel kind of old saying this, but really, I do think it's an interesting cultural shift that we have made. I don't remember it being quite this way when I was younger. Do you want to hear my theory? I've kind of got a theory about this that has several components. So I'll just share it. And you tell me if you if you agree. I think part of what happens is that we see these perfectly curated squares of beautiful homes. Then we get intimidated or discouraged or whatever it may be. And then we look at our own humble abode and think, no way am I having anyone over. Now that doesn't mean we don't have nice houses. It just means we look at the ultra perfect, gorgeous setup that someone else has and think our home doesn't measure up or isn't good enough. Okay, another part of this theory of mine is that we've asked people and they've said no. So you've asked someone to come over like, hey, come on over. And they're like, no, or I'm too busy. Or So then we start thinking everyone's just simply too busy or not interested. So we get discouraged and then we don't bother asking anymore. Here's another part of the theory. 
we might think we're kind of out of practice because we just don't have people over very much anymore and we think it'll be too much of a big deal, like a hassle to have someone over. You'll have to clean like crazy or go over the top with the meal, you know, which isn't honestly very true because a a good friend is not going to care if there's this five-course meal or if everything's gleaming and sparkling, you know. Okay, here's another one. Perhaps we view our home as just this castle and fortress, like, okay, I've got my safe spot here in this in this world, and I just, I, it's really vulnerable to let someone in. I don't know if I want to let anyone in, and it's way easier if I don't. So all of these components, I don't know. I'm not sure what it is exactly. Those are my theories. All that to say, we can and probably should still practice hospitality. That's an area I love and I want to keep it a priority this year. Another one of my goals includes getting outside once every day, rain or shine. (laughs) Sounds simple, but let me tell you, it is not easy for me when the rain is pouring or it's freezing cold. So in those moments when the weather is more extreme, I will just have to remind myself of my time spent in Switzerland and Germany, those mamas were outside on walks with their babies and toddlers in the frigid cold. They just had appropriate gear, as we discussed in episode five about all things cozy and warm. This is something my husband, an avid skier, has always said. And he's right. He's right. For me, the fresh air boosts my mood, combats the feelings of isolation or cabin fever that can happen when you're a stay-at-home mama. It renews my vigor and energy. It makes me smile just seeing God's beautiful and gorgeous creation all around me. And it prompts creativity and refreshes my soul. And literally a walk around the block can count for my getting outside goal. I don't need to make it complicated or intense. The more you and I get outside, the more we'll want to get outside. So it's pretty amazing. Okay, another goal, take better care of my health. Again, this is a little nebulous, so I had to kind of hone in on what I mean by this. And I put think back and snack, and it's a really cheesy rhyme, but the rhyming is helpful for me. So here's what I mean. I do a good job of some of the exercise goals and such, you know, with health that I have. Like, I'm really happy I've been able to change my habit to get up early and more consistently this year, go to the gym a few times a week, but... I have failed to take care of my back, which has some issues just with pain. And if I'm not careful and doing my stretches and all these things I'm supposed to be doing, I experience a lot more pain. So I need to be more thoughtful about taking care of my back and more thoughtful about what I consume. Again, if you're home, stay at home mama, I do feel like this is kind of extra challenging because you're at home all day and the kitchen's right there and the kids are having all sorts of stuff and whatever it is. So anyways, I just, I need to do this need to make sure I take care of the daily stretching, the things I'm supposed to do to keep my back stronger and pain-free. And then the being more thoughtful about what I consume literally means don't snack mindlessly and just mindlessly eat like I'm an (laughs) 18-year-old. You know what I mean? I've had three kids. I am older than 18. I need to think, just think. Less junky snacks, more healthy choices in general, nothing rigid, no crazy weird um, kind of obsessive thing. Just act like a grown-up here. (laughs) As we age, we can't quite eat like teenagers, right? I mean, it's sad to say, but it's true. Although I will say that I may have trouble giving up the Sour Patch Kids and popcorn. Maybe it's just a once a week movie night thing, (laughs) but it's just my my weakness, you know? (laughs) So funny, so silly, but whatever. I loved my friend Christina's idea of doing something else with your hands, like while you watch a show or a movie. So for her, it was coloring. But whatever it is, you know, instead of putting more food into your mouth, it's a good strategy to kind of substitute one 
not so great habit for a good one. Okay, also back to movement and health with exercise. I find that if I do certain yoga poses and such, it can really help with stress and the tightness in my muscles because they're always like breathe and take more time, be more thoughtful. So I've got to commit maybe daily, maybe not daily. I don't know. What do you think? I actually really need help figuring this one out. I would love to hear your thoughts. Is a short daily practice better or should I just try for like every other day? I feel like if I do every other day, I might quit (laughs) or I might, I might not be consistent. So send me your thoughts, please. (laughs) Spiritually, one goal I have for 2018 is a daily prayer time, like an intentional time, not just thinking about praying and calling it prayer, (laughs) actual time maybe even on my knees, just pouring out my heart, listening for his voice, and just making room for worship and time to sit in God's presence and receive joy, receive peace, and just know that he is for me. And just, I don't know, you know what I mean? Bask in that love that he has for me and know that I'm forgiven. Along with this, I want to do a better job memorizing scripture and just tucking those truths deep in my heart and my mind so that when the distractions and the lies of the culture swirl all around me. I am confident that I know what is true and good and right. There is so much noise and chaos out there. It's increasingly vital to feed my mind and soul with rock-solid truth. Okay, before we chat about tips and a takeaway from all the things we've been talking about here, I want to ask, how have you been feeling about life lately? Like, are you stressed? Are you exhausted? Maybe you're energetic. That would be awesome. Are you feeling overworked or hopeless or without joy? What could the causes be? What causes are out of your control and what causes are in your control? What changes could you make starting today to create a life that is more joyful, fulfilling, and full of strong family and friendship bonds? And then let's move to our family life. What do you want for your family like, and your personal life? A shiver-inducing question I often ask myself is what truly matters? What do I want to look back over the course of my life and say that was good and that counted for something? Like, what would that be? I highly doubt it will be things like, oh, good thing I nailed that high level in Candy Crush. You know, it's like, it's ludicrous to even say it out loud. Oh, a good thing I had 10,000 likes on Facebook, this whatever post or whatever thing. Um, I'm really happy that I watched that one sitcom all 10 seasons. That just, you know, I'm really grateful that I did that with my time. (laughs) But seriously, I find myself at least once a day being like, stop, stop, Hannah, this doesn't truly matter. And put the distraction away. Like often it's the phone or whatever. Put it away, walk outside, kind of shake up your routine right there and be like, what am I doing? This is not the best habit. It's not helping me live a great purposeful life. Sometimes you need to just stoop down, look your children in the eye and put a loving hand on their shoulder and just talk to them and see how they're doing. Especially if there's ever moments of correction, it's like, don't rush through that. Like that's a really precious time. So I just, I feel like for me, I know I need to be ruthless about telling myself to stop the insanity, the constant checking, the rushing, the overscheduling, the saying no sometimes. I have to be mindful of like, create margin, cultivate real, actual relationships. Let our kids be bored, be still. It awakens their creativity. Turn off any source of chaos or stress or the constant marketing, entertainment, distraction, all of it. Just do it. (laughs) Let's just do it. I'll do it with you. 
I want to share a shockingly powerful quote from none other than Walt Disney that will hopefully spur us all on to action. He said, the way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Are you prone to this like me? I can talk and talk and talk about my goals, but unless I'm quiet and just start doing them, the talk isn't doing me any good. I've got to just do these things. Reach these goals. Be a Sunday afternoon mama, right? So let's do it together. We, We need each other. So here are some tips and a takeaway for us. The first one is to take some time in the next few days to reflect maybe even journal and ask yourself some powerful questions. So here's what I would suggest, and I'm going to do this myself. Sit down for a few moments when it's quiet, might be early morning, might be in the evening, and just think and ponder kind of how far you've come, like in life, like reflect on the previous year and then think what worked, what am I proud of, what was good, and then what didn't work, like what do I need to keep improving in, like what kind of life and lifestyle am I living and why? Do I need to make some adjustments? All those questions that I mentioned earlier. The second thing is to set goals that are specific and measurable. If it's too abstract or vague, we just, A, we won't do it, and B, we won't even know how to measure it even if we manage to do it. So it has to be specific. It has to be measurable. The third thing I would encourage you to do, and I, again, I'll do this with you, is to include goals that are in those realms and categories of spiritual health and physical health and emotional and even relational health. So it could be three or four. You could categorize that however you want. That way we can kind of cover all of our bases. And, you know, find a way to hold yourself accountable. Maybe a friend or your spouse, like a journaling thing that you want to do, tracker of sorts, like tracking your goals. And if you respond really well to that, like I do, where it's like, you reached your goal, 10,000 steps or whatever. I love that. I'm so motivated by that. So whatever motivates you, however you can measure and reflect on how you're doing throughout the year. Now, some people find it super helpful, especially if it's a challenging goal to just think of it in terms of today, I'm going to do this. Today, I'm going to make this choice. This way, it it appears less daunting to our minds. It kind of tricks ourselves into thinking like, I can do this. This is one day, one day. Breaking it down into manageable chunks of time and effort can be a powerful strategy. And I have found this to be true. So for example, you could think if you want to eat healthier today, I'll just drive past the fast food, right? Just drive, drive past. Don't need it. It's okay. Just today. (laughs) Um, Or If you need to kind of get your thoughts out on paper, just be like, today I'll get out my journal. Instead of this pressure filled, this year I'm going to never touch a french fry and blah, blah, blah. Like, Or this year I'll journal every single day. Those are probably a little too unrealistic um, of goals and it just puts unnecessary pressure and stress on yourself. So does that help? I, I hope so. And I hope this entire topic is kind of feeling good and resonating with your heart today. I'll close this segment of tips and a takeaway with a gem from C.S. Lewis. He is just so phenomenal. He said, there are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. So just know as we embark on a new beginning, a new adventure of life in 2018, no matter what comes our way, even if it's sorrow or pain or struggle or triumph, there is ultimately good ahead. There is hope and joy for us waiting. There's far better things ahead for us. Okay, on to a segment called My Favorite Things. So for me, right now, here are a couple of my favorite things, things I absolutely love. Nora Jones. I mean, I've always been a huge fan of her music, but I've been listening to it more. It's so soothing to me and so calming, especially in the winter months for some reason. It's like you're cozy inside and listening with the crackling fire, and I just, oh, it's just so sweet. It's so 
good. New workout socks is another thing because I had a couple of pairs of socks that for some weird reason developed holes in this one spot. Like every pair had the same hole. Like I don't even know. I don't even know why. But I felt like it was really annoying and I'd go to the gym and work out and be like, oh, my toe is sticking out of this hole. I could feel it. It was bothering me. So it's like, why get annoyed with holes in the toes of your socks? Just get some new workout socks. So I did. I've also loved slowing down. I've been trying to slow down lately. And then another thing I am enjoying is being more adventurous in the kitchen. Like I'm a little obsessed with Julia Child and French cooking right now. So I'm trying to become more awesome at that in this new year. And last thing, last favorite thing for now is reading more. The library is and has always been one of my happy places. (laughs) And I'm trying to prioritize getting there about once a week, once a week. It's good for my mind and my soul. So what have you been into lately? I would love to hear from you. Send a little Facebook message or email hannah at sundayafternoonmama.com. So now it's time for a bumblebee moment. And again, just a reminder that these are little cute moments with our kids that just kind of make us smile or downright like fall on the floor laughing because they just bring us back to the reality that life isn't perfect and sometimes it's messy or silly or ridiculous and it's okay to laugh. So, okay, this happened a few weeks ago around Christmas time. So my daughter who is five comes running into the room where I was sitting, I think it was the living room. She's crying, she's running. I'm like, oh no, what's going on? This is right before Christmas. And she's saying, basically wailing, because she's so upset, she's crying. And she's like, I just accidentally laid down on Mary. And I'm like, oh, Jesus's mom, Mary. The kids nativity set we have, it's little toys and they are hard pieces. Like I would have to agree, if you fell down on one of those things, that would hurt. You know, if there's all these jokes about moms stepping on Legos and how painful that is, I totally agree. This is the same type of thing. It's this little Mary figurine. It's like the Fisher Price toy set for the nativity. Oh man, and they hurt. So she's like, I accidentally laid down on Mary. It was just too funny. It was so, I mean, it's sad that she was like annoyed with that and hurting, but it was so hilarious how it came out. That's my bumblebee moment for now. All right, so just a friendly reminder again to keep sending the listener questions and the bumblebee moments. You can email me. Once again, it's hannah at sundayafternoonmama.com or send a little direct message through Instagram. That would be awesome. Or Facebook. And just message me there. It's at sundayafternoonmama, all lowercase. But yeah, I would love to hear your stories. Keep them coming. They're so good. So good. All right, well, I'm drawing near the end of this first episode, the first one of 2018. I hope you're ready to begin afresh with me. I am going to articulate these goals, really ponder, really think about it, and write them out and put them in a place that I see frequently, probably the inside of my closet, and maybe also a note in my phone, like a note that's just a good reminder, and anytime I'm out and about, I can always access that because my phone is in my purse or whatever. So yeah, I just want to prayerfully evaluate how I'm doing every day and every week. Would you join me? Let's keep growing and becoming better mamas and just better people together. I am for you. I am cheering you on in this journey of motherhood. I know it's not always easy. I know the world around us can be so chaotic and so distracting and so full of fear or hate or negativity, but I am here for you. I believe in you, and I can't wait to see what this year will bring all of us. So next week, my friend Christina will be back with me, and we'll get more specific about goals and talk about the things that tend to hinder us from making progress in life. We'll discuss ways to hold ourselves accountable to the goals we have. This year, too, I've also got some other guests lined up that are going to be amazing and some more giveaways coming. And so be listening, stay tuned for details on all of that. 
Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Sunday Afternoon Mama. I would love to hear from you. Email me at hannah at sundayafternoonmama.com. Send a little Facebook message or voicemail. Just call 1-401-371-MAMA. That's 1-401-371-6262. And as always, let's notice the funny moments with our kids this week. Use the hashtag BungleBeeMoment if you would like to show us on Instagram. Be sure to tune in next week and please tell a friend or family member if you like this podcast so they can check it out too. Good old fashioned word of mouth is one of the best ways to spread the news. Also, if you love the show, click subscribe in iTunes and leave a review. You can also listen on Google Play and Stitcher and leave reviews in those places as well. Come visit my website, sundayafternoonmama.com and check out my Instagram account for this podcast at sundayafternoonmama, all lowercase, for fun Instagram stories and bonus content there. I'll be back with you next week. And in the meantime, I'm seeking joy and peace with you so that we can be better mamas together. Take a deep breath and smile. You've got this. Bye for now, sweet friends.